It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm Walter Reeves, and I'm the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful by answering whatever question you have in your mind about anything that's green or brown. If it died recently, you can ask me about that, too. All you have to do is ask questions, and I got the answers for you based on science, based on research, based on my experience. All you got to do is dial these numbers, 404-872-0750. In just a minute, we'll talk to John up and coming. Great question about sugarcane and sorghum, and I'll find an answer to that for John in just a little second because I want to talk about something else for just a minute this morning, and I'm hopeful nobody's eating breakfast right now because of what I'm going to talk about. You better put your spoon down. You put your fork and knife down because we're going to talk about bot flies on squirrels. Now, this is something that O'Neill and Gail Williams in the previous show and the O'Neill Outside show might know a lot about. In fact, I'm sure they do know a lot about it because bot flies are parasitic flies that lay their eggs in soil where small, not small, and sometimes large woodland animals come in contact with these little eggs that the flies lay in the soil. So deer, possums, raccoons, but most noticeably, it seems right now, squirrels get bot fly wounds and it is the grossest thing you can imagine once the egg has come in contact with an animal's body with a skin the egg hatches out and burrows underneath the skin of the host animal and then grows underneath the skin of the host animal until it is a lump as big as as big as the end of your little finger sometimes on deer and other animals might be as big as the end of your thumb something growing, wiggling underneath your skin. Now for squirrels, <clears throat> it itches like crazy. And so the squirrel is constantly reaching back there with his paw, it's right nearly his back, and sometimes on his stomach, and it's scratch, 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 until the whole area around where this, where this bot fly is growing underneath their skin has become infected, bloody, raw. They'll rub all the fur off that area of their body because they just can't stand to feel something underneath their skin. And soon, soon meaning in the fall of the year, the uh, bot fly will pupate again underneath the skin of the host animal, and then right through it comes. And this is the time of year right now when people ask about what is that big black thing coming out of the skin of the squirrel I saw climbing up the pine tree outside my, my bedroom window. What is that that I see in the backyard? A squirrel, it seems like his whole back half of his body doesn't have any hair on it, but there are big lumps all over his rear end. What's going on? Bot. Fly. Gross. Bloody nasty. Yeah, why am I even talking about this? Because the guy sent me a picture yesterday. That's why. That's why I talk about anything on this Lawning Garden Show. Because people send me pictures of weird things they think. And I know, ooh, that's what that is, a bot fly. It happened on the farm when I was a kid on farms. Sometimes you uh, have wounds on, on animals, on cows and horses and things like that, and the bot flies will come and lay their eggs directly on the skin of the, uh, of the host animal, and they'll bot fly little circular things on the cows, on the horses as well, and you have to sometimes take a needle, frankly, or a little scalpel, and 
carefully cut the skin and get the bite fly egg out from underneath the skin. That's how you do it on a farm. If you have more questions about bot flies, don't ask me. Go to my website, WalterReeves.com. Type in one word, bot, B-O-T, at WalterReeves.com. You see some hmm, pictures of squirrels. Not happy squirrels, sad squirrels. That's what they are right there. The other little bit of parasitism I wanted to mention, again, a question from someone who sent a picture of a tomato hornworm. You know what tomato hornworms look like? Green, long, big as your finger. Uh, caterpillars that eat the leaves off your tomato plants. And when they get these little white cocoons all up and over the skin of the caterpillar, they're very distinctive to see these white cocoons. Those white cocoons are the egg sacs, the pupil sacs of a parasitic wasp that, again, lays her eggs on the skin of the, of the um, caterpillar. And then when the egg hatches out, it makes this little pupil case that goes above the skin of the caterpillar. And the caterpillar is basically being eaten from inside during this time of year. If you see, by the way, if you see a caterpillar that has those white little silken things right on the top of his back, leave him alone. Don't do anything to that caterpillar because the parasitic wasps are your friend. You want them to eat that caterpillar. You want bad things, bad things to happen to that caterpillar. That's exactly what you want. All right, let's go to the phones here. We've got John and Cummings who's been waiting so patiently for us. Hey, John, good morning. Morning, Walter. How are you? I'm all right, John. What you got? I, well, today we are going, one of my neighbors, is we're making uh, sorghum syrup. Sure. Yeah. And I've had, I've had people ask me for years, what's the difference in sorghum and uh, King. Sure. So I know the answer that I think it is, but I was just, uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask somebody that probably knew more than I do. So. They are completely different plants. And as you know, the sugarcane plant is a tall grass, and it can be anywhere from an inch to an inch and a half in diameter, and gets easily 10 to 15 feet tall when it grows down in Florida, the great big sugarcane plantations down in Florida and Cuba, places like that. And to make sugar cane syrup, you would take those stalks and feed them into a press mill, two big round um, uh, things that you basically put the stalk in there. It squeezes all the juice out. It's collected underneath. And sorghum, as y'all are working with today, is a completely different plant where you take the head and the, well, how much of the plant do y'all put through your mill, John? Uh, we don't. We we will strip it and put cut the heads off and yeah. everything. So we're just using the stalk. Okay. So you put like the stalk the, in there and mash it real yeah. good. Get the juice yeah, out of that. What do you do with good. the juice? To so go ahead and tell our listeners, what do you do with the juice after you've got it collected underneath the? Once we get thing? collected, we we uh, filter it. Pretty, you know, just a pretty rough filter, and then yeah. we got feed it into an evaporator pan, not the round pans like they use in Florida or really south of Atlanta. Uh, this one is it's rectangular. It's about uh-huh. 14 feet long. And it's got the baffles in it, but, and you uh-huh. boil the water off, and basically boil 90 percent of the water off, and you get the the syrup cooks off at the end, and you know it's raised a lot of kids. I did us. not know that you <laughs> use rectangular pans, John, because like you, I've seen a lot of round sorghum pans down in South yeah. Georgia, Florida, and places, and I did not yeah, know that, there was a rectangular one. Oh, Lord, yeah. If you come north of, uh, basically north of Atlanta, mm-hmm. they don't use, they don't use those round pans. They have a, this one is, think of a, just a 12 foot long rectangular pan sure. that's got baffles in it sure. and makes it, makes the, the juice go up the thing. It takes longer to get through and it boils the water off and you skim off the, the small, 
pieces that made it through the filter yeah. so the syrup is clear when you get it at the end. You know, it sounds exactly like making maple syrup. Same thing. They have a long rectangular stainless steel pan and a fire underneath, and the steam comes boiling off of that pan. There's huge clouds of steam coming off of it as you slowly heat the syrup to make it, or heat the juice in order to make syrup out of it. That's correct. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. We just get a little more return than the maple syrup. It yeah. takes more. Yeah. It takes more. And there's a different taste to each one of these. We all know that maple syrup has a certain taste to it, and sorghum syrup has a different taste to it, as sugarcane syrup has different taste to it as well. So everybody who has tasted the three of them may have a favorite or not, but they're all sweet. They're all delicious on biscuits, <laughs> and that's you what go. you do with the with the cane syrup and the sorghum right. syrup too. That's exactly right. Well, and thank you, sir. John, one of the one more thing is you. Your question reminds me of my father who would not pronounce the word S-O-R-G-H-U-M, sorghum. He pronounced it sorghum, and that's the well, way he, his whole well, family did. Yeah, that, well, I cleaned it up for your show. That's why we say it, too. Sorghum syrup. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right, John. Thank you for that memory. I do appreciate your call this morning. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Have a good day. We'll see you soon, my friend. It's 616. We've got time for Fred to come in here. Hey, Fred. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. Yes, sir. Uh, I- got a problem with the uh, red wasp yeah. getting on my figs. Yeah. Well, and, you got to uh, expect something. They're hungry. They, they're just like you, Fred. They appreciate a, a good sweet fruit to eat, and so they're all over the figs, eating the juice or, you know, sucking the juice, I guess. They don't really yeah. suck like a stink bug does, but they certainly enjoy lapping, I guess. They lick the juice off of a fig. So what's the question, Fred? Well, I mean, the they're actually penetrating holes in them and just about ruining the, the, the fruit. I didn't know if there's a way to keep them off without an spraying poison on them. No, we're not going to put poison on them because the figs, you know, we don't want to put poison on the food that we eat. That's a bad thing to do. Um, Fred, what I had a crazy friend, and this is, whew, this is a county extension agent, as a matter of fact. So you know how crazy they were. They'd worked for the extension yeah. service at the University of Georgia for 20 years at that point. And uh, what he did was he had an electric motor that he strapped to the trunk of his fig tree and had a little timer on it. And every, seems like every minute or two or three, the motor would come on for just a second, go like that. And it would shake the limb of his fig tree. And he said it kept all the wasps, all the hornets and yellow jackets off of it. And he didn't have any problem with it because it just shook them. You know, they didn't like to have the vibration there. Fred, try it and see if that would work. See if you can get a little motor and strap it to the fig tree and shake those wasps up. All right, then. All right. You, gonna let, you will let me know what, what happens, too, Fred. You will report back, right? Uh, it's quite a ways over to those fig trees to run. Uh, well, next year. Sometimes tell somebody to do this and let me know if it works. <laughs> okay. All right, I'd love to hear about it too. Me too. Thanks Have for calling. You bet, Fred. Thanks for calling. 404 872 is our number. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 955 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 955 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. When I wake up in the morning, love, and the sunlight hurts my eyes, and 
something without warning love bears heavy on my mind. Not a lot of sun right now at 624 on a Saturday morning, but the weather forecast is brought to you by Ackerman Security today. High in the high 80s, 91 maybe this afternoon. Feels like it's about 100 degrees outside at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, at least it did yesterday. Tomorrow, scattered showers, gusty winds. Florence finally gets to Atlanta. High of 83. Chill is in the air. 71 low overnight tomorrow. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And a reminder, Florence is in the Carolinas right now, just banging on them. I think all of you have seen the this coverage on WSB, on CNN, places like that, the flooding that's happening in the Carolinas. People already have perished over there. But WSB and the whole Cox Media Group team is doing a convoy of care, convoy of care, where we will collect items that people need in the Carolinas and take it to them. We have some great, great um, partners in doing this. Atlanta Peach Movers, Georgia Motor Truck Association, the Chiefs of Police, the Black Law Enforcement Executives, the Georgia Sheriff's Association. And we're going to collect bottled water. Well, it's actually bottled water, diapers, and personal items. Right. And we did this last August for Hurricane Harvey for the victims in Texas. The turnout was huge. It was incredible. Truck after truck after truck. And now there's two places that you can drop off. You can deliver these things. And this is only Monday and Tuesday. It's not all next week or anything like that. It's only Monday and Tuesday. First place where I'm standing right now, the headquarters of WSB at 1601 West Peachtree Street, white columns if you put in your GPS, but 1601 West Peachtree is where WSB is located, or the Caring for Others Warehouse is down on Browns Mill Road, south of Atlanta. Either place, you get the details at wsbradio.com. But this would be a great thing to do if you want to do something for our brothers and sisters in the Carolinas and a little bit of North Georgia, or not North Georgia, but a little bit of Eastern Georgia. This would be a great thing to do. Bottled water, diapers, cleaning items, things that were packaged, of course, things that people can use to get through the day over there. And, of course, here in Georgia, people have come in from the Carolinas to stay with friends, to camp out at the Motor Speedway and places like that. So it's great that people open their houses, open their homes to people from over in that area to come over here to Atlanta. And as of maybe Thursday, Airbnb had a thing that was connecting people. Yeah. For, you know, places to stay. And I think over 350 people in Metro Atlanta had signed up to be a part of that kind of exchange program to allow people from the Carolinas to come to their homes. You know, we think of the this. I'm not going to get into politics right now, but there are a lot of things in the world right now that are really troubling. And things like this are really heartening to me. The things that we do for each other are one of the things that make you feel good about being alive, being a human, being a caring person and taking care of your people that are other other folks in the country that need your help. And when tornadoes or hurricanes strike and the Red Cross and other people like the team here at Cox Media Group all get together to help the other people who need some help temporarily, I think it's one of the greatest things that we can do as human beings. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. If you have a question about anything, plants, shrubs, trees, Lawns. If you got a question about your fescue lawn, today would be the day to ask it. 404 872 0750. We'll be back after news. 
It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It is 6.36 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden, my friends. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful. You tell me what you want, I'll tell you how to get there. And if you need an excuse not to do it, because you say the Bulldogs might be playing this morning at 8 a.m. is when the pregame show starts, and you need to rest up for the game at noon today, well, I'll give you an excuse, too. If you need an excuse not to do anything outside, let me know. 404-872-0750 is my number. Robert is in Tucker, Georgia, and joins us. Hey, Robert. Good, good morning. morning. You bet How are you? Man. I'm doing fine. What can I do for you? First of all, I'd like to promote our uh, early morning Saturday nightingale with the, with the beautiful Germanic voice. Hope everything's fine with her. <laughs> and who are you speaking of then, Robert? That'd be Nicole. Nicole? My friend Nicole from Griffin, who is, that did not call this morning, sadly. I don't know where she is. Uh, She's not I working. Think it's been like I've missed her. I think it's been about three Saturdays. Yeah, Nicole works. Uh, she's not retired like a bunch of us over here. I am, I for instance, retired, except for coming in on Saturday well, morning. I'm, so. I'm retarded. So yeah. I mean. <laughs> that too. <laughs> the old wax, the old wax leaf lagustrum. Yeah, used to everybody had. Yep. Uh, why don't we hear that about a great barrier plant? Because it's it's so good. Uh, Number one, uh, it's evergreen. Yeah, doesn't have sure, thorns. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it's got uh, the hmm. the texture of the bark is like a holly. Uh, I guess it's because of the, the, the occasionally make seedlings and people get irritated with having to pull the seedlings up. But it's not bad. They, it's not terrible. They, they do. They do. They do make seedlings for sure. But uh, I recommend I, I recommend I, Carolina cherry laurel. Cherry laurel makes more seedlings than ligustrum ever will. So cherry laurel. You know, we well, don't. I don't, I don't really that. have a, lot, a whole lot. I've got them all over, around my backyard, and the reason is they're like, up like thirty feet, mm-hmm. and I've cut them down. To, the stumps are probably twelve inches across. Yeah, big plants. They're, e- they're easy to cut up. Great firewood. It'll burn uh, in my uh, in my fireplace. It'll burn white hot. Yeah. I mean, it burns. It's a good burner. You know, when the sap's down. You know, Robert, you the ligustrum, the wax leaf ligustrum you're referring to, of course, is a glossy green leaf, big leaf thing. You can buy it at nurseries. But when I was a kid, ligustrum was privet, privet hedge. And that's, as you know, is a weedy plant here yeah, in Georgia and the right. southeast. But privet hedge was certainly very utilitarian when I was a kid because it was a screen plant, too. We had an outdoor bath, outdoor bathroom. Right. We didn't have indoor plumbing when I was a kid. And so you right. had privet hedge planted all around the privy to keep people from watching as you went in and out of the privy during the day. One quick thing on your bot flies. Yeah. Is that the same as wolves? Yep. And I didn't mention it, did it, Robert? So, listeners, <laughs> if you didn't hear the first part of my show this morning, I'm not going to repeat it because it's gross. But uh, if you see a squirrel or a deer that has a little lump yeah. on their throat, they'll call it a wolf or wolves. Well, I was gonna, oh, no. Wolf, yeah, that's yeah. what when we were growing up. But what, but what I was going to add to you, what you said is, you, you know, that's why we don't harvest game uh, because we wait for the first frost. Right. Well, in, in the first frost, uh, these these whatever they are die. Yep. And uh, they they heal over real quick, and the next thing you know, the squirrel looks fine, looks and fine. Uh, they're ready to eat. 
little scar and the hair grows back and the squirrels right are real quick, real quick flies, too. You know? but the first first sloth will kill them yeah so, and it will exactly. they do not hurt the squirrel i don't know about that robert <laughs> that squirrel doesn't look very happy trying to dig it out don't. of the skin they don't they don't they do not hurt the squirrel well not permanently let's say that they don't kill uh, the squirrel well you know don't. most squirrels walter uh, they're gonna live about a year anyway between the cats and the hunters <laughs> and the <laughs> yeah. And the red tail hawks and all. They don't love loss between me and the squirrels. If the squirrels get a little itchy, that doesn't really bother me at all. All right, buddy. I I enjoy your show. Robert, thanks for calling this morning. I do appreciate it. Remind me about wolves out there. Oh, man. Jack in Cartersville, Georgia. Hey, Jack. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I tried to get a hold of... uh, uh, Tried to send you those pictures of the woolly aphid. Yeah, man. We got several people sent them. Yeah. All right, good, good. Uh, a guy named Lee, a, guy, a lady named Katie. Who else have we got pictures from? They're hard to photograph, Jack, because they're little bitty things. You got to have. I, I tried doing that with a with my camera phone, yeah. but I mean, a better camera would have got a better shot. Yeah, of course. I hit. I believe I hit a. I, I want to call it a flock of them <laughs> with my truck. <laughs> they went, a bunch of little bitty white dots all on my windshield. I'm like. Right. That can't be what they are. And I, yeah. then I hit the windshield wipers. And yeah, that's what they were. Yeah. And, and for listeners who don't know what we're talking about, last Saturday, someone from Cartersville called and said, there's these white things. It's like snow all over Cartersville today. And we sort of thought they were woolly aphids. And it wasn't until I got home and looked it up to find out, oh, it's hackberry woolly aphids. That's right. Hackberry has aphids this time of year. They're woolly, waxy, look like snow when they come off the trees. And Jack, that's what y'all were seeing in Cartersville. Yeah. Well, I thought that they, I would refer to them as a flock because it appears that they have feathers. Yeah, they do have feathers. I don't think they fly, <laughs> but I don't think they hurt anything when they hit the windshield of your truck. Either. You can't see it or hear it or do anything other than just sort of little, little mist. Well, they do have they do have wings. They've got the, they're very they're transparent wings. You can see them if you look close enough. And that's the wax coming out of the coming out of the body that coats the wing, coats the body, and that's sort of feathery looking as you say. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Jack, I appreciate calling last Saturday and calling to follow up this Saturday too. Hackberry well, Woolly Aphid. I enjoy, I enjoy it every Saturday morning. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your right. appreciate right. your patronage. Thanks uh, for calling, Jack. All right. Bye. See you, man. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty gets you to get Jack's place right there. Clint is out in Loganville and joins us. Hey, Clint. Good morning. Hey. Good hey. morning. I I have a. Uh, conundrum i have uh stone fescue <laughs> does, it, does it hurt jack clint is it something <laughs> really under his skin what's going on with your conundrum it's, it is under his skin it is I, i've sown fescue in my backyard for um three out of the last five years yeah. um and uh different different types i used a titan rx this past year and it grew and it was beautiful until may and then at the end of May, it died. Mm. As soon as those leaves came out over the trees, it was fairly dense shade. Yeah. <clears throat> and as soon as it got hot, it died. And I and it does it every time I plant fescue. It doesn't matter what kind of seed I use. No matter how much I water it, no matter how much I fertilize it, put um, lime on it, make sure. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, I don't know what else to do with it. When you say it died in May, I'll tell you what that brings to mind, Clint. When fescue dies in May, Typically, it's because it's been seeded a little bit too heavily and watered a little bit too often. So if your temptation is to get that nice expensive fescue seed and spread it more than six or seven pounds per thousand square feet, you're right on the edge of too much. If you go 10 pounds per thousand, 
you get a disease called Pythium blight, which is very much associated with warm temperatures and high humidity of the first week or two or three of May. And then if you water, thinking, man, I'm not going to let this fescue, I spent money for this fescue, so I'm going to water it by George. And you water yeah. it about every third day, and that gets it soggy, and then it doesn't like that either. The Pythium loves it, and so that is another thing that in well, you, May kills it. Uh-huh. Well, you did have a good bit of good bit of rain in May, and yeah. I didn't I didn't do anything extra to it. All right, you well, know? that was good. That was smart. Yeah. So I would say, Clint, now is the time. If you're going to plant fescue, now yeah. is the time to do it every gonna, year. September is great. Yeah. Uh, my plan is I'm off uh, in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I got two weeks off, and I'm going to. Do it again and see what happens. <laughs> you want something to do to prepare for the whole planting process? An aeration, uh, you know, four or five days before you actually put the seed out is great because uh-huh. all those little holes the aerator makes in the ground are places right. for the seed to nestle in there and get good seed to soil contact. Well, I'm actually, so, it died away so much. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, it, died, yeah. it died away so much that I, I actually have to till it all up again. Oh, to, okay. To, well, to redo gonna, it. If you're going to till it, then that, you don't need to aerate it. You're going to work at it. So right. go ahead, till it, and then spread the seed. But don't go much more than six to eight, maybe, pounds per thousand square feet, Clint. Don't put okay. all the seed out there that you have in the bag. Six well, to eight no, pounds. I, I won't, yeah. Right. And um, as far as the shade, yeah. is the shade going to, I mean, Granddaddy told me one time, anything green has to have sun to grow. <laughs> Granddaddy I mean, is right. Is, is, <laughs> I yeah. mean, is the shade... I mean, is my is it possible my shade is just too dense and I'm just you know yeah, out of luck? Yeah, but if, if shade bag. were the shade is not what causes it to die in May. Shade is where mm-hmm. uh, okay. July usually when the shade starts uh, checking in. Okay, make the fescue die. So I think more than likely it's Pythium in May, and the shade yes will limit the fescue sure. And Granddaddy will just say, right over there where the sun gradually creeps underneath the lens, that's where the fescue will stop. And as it goes toward the trunk, that's where that's the fescue exactly fades what happens. Yeah. And that's where yep, you that's usually exactly grow that. monkey grass or mondo grass or something that likes the shade and don't worry too much about growing grass there. Roger that. Thank you for your time. Clint, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. John is down in Fayetteville with a question about his centipede hey, grass. How are you this morning? Brother John, what's going on? If I can find some centipede sod, which mm. I've been told I can, yeah. is it too late <clears throat> to to put it out? I know it's not going to grow much, but yeah. will it be hot long enough to let it grab hold? Is my name Kirk Mellish? Do I know the weather, what it's going to be three weeks from now? No, I do not, John. Uh, it's a no, no, Normally for this time of year. The thing is, is it's going to cool off. It's not going to get warmer, I don't think, than it is right now. Kirk hadn't said it well anyway. Uh, and so as things cool off and as the daylight length of daylight during the day shortens, that is when all yeah. the warm season grasses, Bermuda, centipede, zoysia, St. Augustine, all slow down and don't grow and don't root very much. They just are not doing it because they don't have enough energy to do what they, you know, what they would do during July. So you're gambling if you have a nice, long, warm fall, you're fine to plant centipede okay. and zoysia, which are both sort of slow to root down. If, on the other hand, we have an early winter, which I don't know what it's going to be, but if Kirk says it's going to be a you know frost in the 1st of November this year, then that centipede is not going to be happy to be the 1st of November freezing temperatures. Okay, so, so I'm, rolling the, I'm rolling the dice, but working on a small area, I might be okay. Fayette County used to have all sorts of gambling and whiskey dens and moonshine dens. 
And so if you live in Fayetteville, you are you are doing what your ancestors did in Fayette County, what other people did when they lived in Fayette County. It was a place that sin was uh, first first row. And John, I think the, the story is that much of the crime that was done in Fayette County was done with the protection of the criminals because they didn't want anything bad to happen. So Fayette County was actually a pretty low crime area as far as robberies and murders and things like that because the moonshiners and gamblers didn't want any police attention brought to them. So that's what it is in Fayette County. Used to be anyway. Not now, of course. Fayette County is full Okay. Well, thank you very much, Walter. Have a great day. Lots of nice people in Fayette County. My mother, until she passed away, of course, but lots of my friends have graduated high school from me, with me in Fayette County, of course. It's 648 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. Ah, you can talk about the pit, barbecue, the band was jumping, the people too. Ah, mess around. They're doing the mess around. We're doing the mess around this Saturday morning. A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Sunday, today, sunny. Highs in the 80s, high 80s, probably 90s, maybe this afternoon. Tomorrow, scattered showers, gusty winds, high of 83. Low of 71 on Sunday. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Right now we go to the phones with Tanya in Covington. Hey, Tanya, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, Yes, I have a comment about our experience with the bot fly, and then I have a question. Oh, yeah. We we had a dog, and Mm. our dog had gotten um had a wolf we didn't know what it was but we were petting him and we saw something move on his tummy and thought are we really seeing this (laughs) (laughs) we had looked several times but we took him into our vet and the vet said it was a he called it a wolf a wolf that's exactly right he just made a slit and and removed it so that was our first and only experience with one so far but, and it's gross uh, and it's like a horror movie where something jumps out of the stomach of the you know the person <laughs> oh no we don't yes. talk about that anymore no we're not oh mm. uh, what do you want to know about burweed this morning tanya okay yes sir i have been uh trying to research and find a post emergence for the lawn burweed yeah. and uh, the articles that i'm reading online they talk about the uh, post-emergence, but I'm looking for a drop pre-emergent that oh, I can put down this fall. The pre-emergent is a lot easier to use than the post-emergent is, but you don't put it down in the fall. The best time to do it is actually in early spring because it's an annual summer weed rather than an annual winter weed. And so okay. you get better control by putting a pre-emergent down in March, let's call it March of next year, and Typically, I don't think you'll need to split split applications on there, but the product that I find does better against burrweed than anything else is called dithiopyr, and I'll spell that for you. That's the chemical name, and I think Barricade, is Barricade the brand name? Anyway, D-I-T-H-I-P-O-Y-R, D-I-T-H-I-O-P-Y-R, that's right, dithiopyr. And uh, if you want to go and just use that word in Google, D-I-T-H-I-O-P-Y-R, Dithiopyr, and you'll find what the brand names are that uh, 
the garden centers, pike, and the big box stores might have, but I think Diphylopier is the product that does best against burrweed. Okay. Now, in 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 the doing the research, um, this the particular type of burrweed, the mm-hmm. lawn burrweed, they say is a winter weed. So you're oh, that's right. It's not the summer weed. Oh, we're talking about the one in South Georgia. Is what I was talking about. Yes. Okay, and winter I, we weed it, then. Okay. We have it here in Covington. We have a home in Dothan, Alabama, and we also have it down there. Thank you. And for last s- year, uh, we put down a pre-emergent, but I don't think it was the right kind because it still came up. But uh, then I had to do the weed be gone yeah. and spray yeah. the whole yard with the weed be gone. So I'm trying to avoid that this year and be proactive and get it down yeah. in the fall. But again. Thank they you for turning me around, these, Tiny, because you're the right. There are two kinds of sticker weeds that get into lawns, yeah. one summer, one winter. You're right, burrweed up in Covington, that would be a winter annual. But again, dithiopia is going to be the stuff to look for, the pre-emergent. Right. And put it down. It's a little early-ish right now because soil temperatures are still pretty high. They're in the mid to high 70s right now, and burrweed doesn't really germinate until it gets into the mid to low 70s, if not 60s. So you got a week or two before you put it down. All right. And did you say Barricade was one of the brand names? I think that's right. I think Barricade, but D-I-T-H-I-O-P-Y-R, Dithiopier is what you're looking for. All right. Well, Walter, thank you very much. It's great talking to you, Tanya. Thanks for calling. Tell me about the wolves on your dog. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you soon. The next half hour, Diane and Powder Springs will talk about crepe myrtles, Mark and Lilburn. What's the plan of Daphne? That's a good idea. I do, too. Wayne in South Carolina has a dead by Burnham. What does he do now? We'll answer those questions and yours, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news.